1: Okay, well, we are sitting here with our new friend, Dr. Ananya Banerjee. Uh, Ananya, I want to first start off. What kind of doctor are you? Are you a smart person doctor or a um, uh, a medical doctor?
3: Definitely not a medical doctor. I'm a PhD doctor, uh,
1: so... Smarty pants. Huh? Gere,
0: man, medical doctors are smart people doctors too. Hey, <laughs> I'm not the one who wrote the script. All right.
1: <laughs> um, uh, what uh, what did you what did you get your PhD in?
3: I did my PhD in health research methodology. And to make it thing simple, um, my thesis actually is kind of cool. It looked at health promotion programs in churches. And I showed mm-hmm. that people who go to church Quite frequently, actually, have a lower risk of blood pressure, diabetes, and hmm. cholesterol.
2: Wow, that's no, no fascinating. That is that is like? Is that like? A, so interesting. Is that because I know that especially as we, as we, as we sort of continue to move into the 21st century, uh, further and further, it seems like religion is playing is playing like less and less of a role in people's lives. Um, but obviously the the community aspect of of religion is like is like a massive massive uh, net positive, is that is like is that essential is that a key piece in the lower blood pressure like that feeling of community that you have a group to be with.
3: There you go. You summed up my PhD work. If I had known you before, I would have... I have a PhD in bro you know. science,
2: so... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's funny because I actually thought of that um, when I did my yoga teacher training and I came back home, I was thinking like, I wish there was something... Because like I grew up going to church. like I was baptized and confirmed and I don't um, subscribe to uh, Christianity's religious beliefs and, and values, but like going somewhere on Sunday morning to like tell good stories that made you feel like a part of something um, sort of resonated with me. And when I came back from my yoga teacher training, I was like, we should do like a Sunday morning <laughs> yoga thing. That's like not the physical practice, but like the philosophy and just hang out and tell good stories because it would feel really cool and, like, comforting and to be it'll part of like that And it will prevent you from getting diabetes, apparently. So
1: <laughs> you should have done it, Brian, because now know, you're, you're on a fast track to uh, to insulin every day, I think. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like we could do an entire episode on your PhD. It's so yeah, fascinating. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, but we're actually here today to talk about something completely different, which is vaccine inequity, um, specifically from, like, a global context. Um So I guess I guess we're let's start this entire thing off with with um, what is vaccine inequity um, and and like what what causes vaccine inequity?
3: Wow, those are complex questions. I feel like I'm back in my PhD defense.
1: (laughs) And if you can answer that in five words or less, that would be perfect.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bonus
2: awesome. points. <laughs>
3: so vaccine equity is essentially everybody in the world should be getting vaccinated at the same time and having the same rates of vaccination. So if you are living in India or in Uganda or Brazil and us in Canada, we should be all have had our first dose at 66.2%.
1: Mm. Right now, okay, and I'm guessing that is globally that is most certainly not the case.
2: There, there were. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: No, it's it's definitely not. So here's something to think about. So right now, Canada is leading um, in the most doses given the first time in Canada, which is sixty-six point two percent. And then mm. we're seeing Uganda right now experiencing a deadly wave. And guess how much their rate of vaccination is right now for.
2: The first dose, five percent,
1: yeah, six percent,
2: seven percent. Price is right. Oh shit, we're all over.
0: Oh, wow, really? Wow. Less that. than one percent. A little, little higher, three percent. <laughs> this is fun. Two
1: percent, <laughs> two and a half percent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Almost there. One point two percent. One
2: point wow. wow. one. One point
0: two.
3: God,
2: wow, that okay. is that is absolutely wild. I what the other. It, months ago now um, we started a YouTube channel and and when we started our YouTube channel, we were like, well, we'll put out the podcast, but we want to make some other stuff. Um, but we've been like making some stuff um, in the background waiting to release it. And I did this, I did a bit of a deep dive into COVAX because we had talked to uh, we had talked to a professor at McGill um, about COVAX and or not about COVAX. We we're talking about vaccine vaccines and um, and um, like epidemiology And he, he mentioned COVAX. And at the time I didn't even know what it was, which I felt kind of shitty about because like the stuff that we do, I would have thought that we would have known what that was. And so I did a bit of a deep dive into it. And the goal that COVAX had, um, which was to distribute 2 billion doses, um, Mm. um, to, to countries that would have, uh, that that would it would have less of, um, less of an economic opportunity to purchase vaccines, you know, like countries like Canada and the United States and you know, a lot of Western Europe and stuff. Can you, can you give a a brief overview of what COVAX is? I feel like you could do a lot better job of it than, than I can. And I know that it's got like a few pretty, conf- it, it seemed confusing when I was looking into, it's like overall simple, but with like a lot of confusing points I found, can you like can you give us that in like a nice package? Can you make it make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Help, because it's really impo- it's like super important. Mm.
3: Yeah, definitely. So, okay, COVAX is essentially I don't know. I kind of like to call it a charitable pool of access doses that are being donated um, or invested by. Wealthier countries such as ourselves in Canada, and so the goal is also for pharma companies, you know, such as Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Johnson and Johnson, to make sure that the vaccines that they're producing, a portion of that goes in to Covax. So think of it as like a big pot, right? And people are coming by and be like, "Hey, we're going to put in fifty thousand doses here." give it to whoever needs it around the world the most um, and they keep accumulating it and so when it's time to start giving them to countries who need it, particularly low income countries and the goal is to supply vaccines from COVAX to 92 low income countries, primarily in Africa, Latin America, South Asia. And However, at this point, COVAX is actually failing drastically. Mm -hmm. And the reason behind is that they are relying on vaccines from these wealthy countries, such as ourselves, from the U.S. Mm -hmm. and the U.K., who are actually now hoarding all the vaccines, right, Mm -hmm. and are really focusing on, okay, let's try to get our populations vaccinated, right, Mm -hmm. and let's beat the variants, not understanding that three quarters of the world don't have enough vaccines and haven't been able to get them. And what's really disappointing is that even though there are vaccines in the COVAX scheme, there's an agreement with countries who have donated to vaccine that if they are in need of it, they can access them. Mm -hmm. Guess what country dipped into COVAX? Canada. Yeah. I was
1: going to say, is that why we're at 66 whatever percent right now for our first dose? Because because of this vaccine hoarding and because of, you know, double dipping into COVAX?
3: Absolutely. I mean, again, Canada take a ton. I think they took about five hundred thousand from COVAX and which is not a large amount. But that is enough to mm. be given to at least what the World Health Organization is like repeatedly begging. Um, wealthier countries is that we need to at least get 10% of the global population vaccinated, mm. particularly those who are healthcare workers um, in low-income countries. And also those who are most vulnerable who have chronic conditions, like Man. all of us, right? We're, yeah. we're, we also
2: it, stretched out the, we also, a lot of provinces also stretched out the time between the doses, which was a major factor in allowing more people to get their first dose faster. I'm saying that to you, Jer. Yeah. yeah since yeah, since yeah, I can't. Yeah. It, it's kind of it.
0: crazy because it, In a way, I guess like it's essentially like if you imagine there there was a baseball game and there's a stadium full of people and it's like the hottest day of the year and nobody's allowed to bring bottled water in, but they're selling (laughs) bottled water. And there's only a limited amount of bottled waters. And then one representative from this family has to go and get bottled water for their family. And there is a group of people who have a fuckload of money who are going this out and buying all the bottled, bottled is, water. Ryan, yes. and they're good going job. back to bring it to their family. And their family is like, "Yes, yes, you're bringing us the bottled water. You know, we need two bottles, we need three bottles, we need four bottles because it's so fucking hot out. We're gonna we're gonna die of
2: dehydration
0: if we don't more drink. We're
2: gonna be hot again later." But then there's all <laughs> right. these
0: these people who don't have the money or access. They can't they can't flag down the attendant. They can't buy the water. And like they're supposed to be this like chaperone there who's like oh hey listen there's enough water to go around but we need to make sure that the rich people aren't getting Mm. too many bottles and the people who can't afford it are getting donated or they're gonna fucking die but that chaperone's not doing their job are they
3: That's a great analogy that you used. And exactly. So all the water bottles are being given to everyone who's front row seats, watching the baseball game. They're in those box seats. Um, They're the corporate people and Mm. everybody else is kind of just waiting for maybe someone who's in the box seat. Maybe they have a couple of extra bottles to come down and be like, here, we're ready to share Yeah. You know
0: what's crazy yeah. though is that is is that just to continue continue on that for one second, it's that like it's not so much the people who have The buying, like, I mean, it is ultimately the people with the buying power, but like, if you have the buying power and you don't go back to your family with the bottled water, your family is going to be pissed. And in this case, it's like, if Canada starts giving away vaccinations, there's going to be a lot of people here who are pissed. Like, we've seen it in Nova Scotia where, like, we were wondering where there was going to be, there were supposed to be doses coming in and then. You know, the government was saying that there was delays on those doses, and you heard from the people like they were writing news articles where people were like, "Our government is failing us." Yet now, look at us—we're the the number one most vaccinated country for first doses.
2: Is, but that's there, one of the. Uh, are-
1: it's one of the unfortunate things about the way that we view the world, and and the way that the way that governments have always viewed the world. It's it, you know, unless it's your people, no one else matters, and that's. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've seen that through history. Time it's like and make time America again. great again. Yeah. Like, yeah, a country yeah.
0: can't be great unless the rest of the world is great. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you know, it, it is. Imaginary borders don't separate us yeah. as individuals.
2: Absolutely. Ananya, can you, can you can you can um, you can you clarify this for me? Because I I know that it was there's donated doses. Was there? When I was digging into this, it it looked like a lot of countries were also making financial contributions. Would would those have been financial contributions, or would they have been like financial or like monetary (laughs) equivalents of doses donated? Or like what like would those two be sort of like the same thing? If you know what I if you know what I mean, like doses versus the value of doses.
3: So that's a good question. I mean, it's been kind of unclear, right? So most countries are constantly announcing. So we know, for example, you know how. You know, everybody got together the G7 summit, right? Um, this past weekend. And mm-hmm. part of their agenda was to talk about vaccine equity. And for a lot of us, you know, we were really pushing for the TRIPS waiver. So have you guys heard of the TRIPS waiver? No, no. Okay. So here's the deal. A lot of us are like really advocating that we need to stop this charitable status of vaccines, right? And the reality is that countries are constantly boasting that we are going to donate 1 billion doses. And this is what came out of the G7 summit this past weekend, right? So when you think about it, a billion doses doesn't cover a lot. And how many, we have 7.9 billion people in this world and most of them are gonna require two vaccines. Mm-hmm. And so 1 billion doses is not gonna go a long way. So they're donating those vaccines through the surplus or they're willing now to finally share from their stockpile because, you know, we have 6062 percent of people who are getting vaccinated. You're having yeah. millions of doses coming into Canada every week. So there's that aspect. The financial aspect is really coming in, actually, uh, not just focusing on vaccines, but on diagnostics and therapeutics. And so the reality is that a lot of countries don't have any control or power to make their own vaccines, to even be able to make their own tests, um, to diagnose and treat uh, COVID-19. And so what's happening is that they're just slow Constantly relying on countries such as Canada, the UK, and the US to mm. finally give them the opportunity to start making their own vaccines, right? Mm. Like why are we constantly relying on these high-income countries and pharma companies to be able to be ready to donate when it's most convenient for them, but also being mindful, how do we make sure we don't lose a lot of money? Mm. Is is that
2: the is that the um there, there was a, you know, there was the, de- there were the, it was heavily debated maybe like a month or two ago about the wa- waiving the, uh, waiving the uh, IP of some of the vaccines that the U.S. had, uh, that the U.S. owned the IP to, and I, you know, the, the argument as, as far as I could understand it was that, you know, you should, you should release the IP so that, uh, you can ramp up production, and then on the other side of the argument it was that. Releasing the IP or the what the other argument was saying was that if you release the IP, it won't ramp up production because there really aren't really, there are not production facilities that are capable of making something that is so tightly quality controlled as these vaccines. And I really was reading that and going, I, I honestly have no idea. I don't know what I don't know what's better, what's better or worse. Like, you know, so I was kind of I was kind of feeling like a a a sitting duck in that in that uh Um, in reading that news, what, what's, what was your sort of take on, on that whole, on that whole thing?
3: A cop-out, right? It's to, again, it's coming back to the pharma companies to protect their profits, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, the fact that is that, yeah, there are countries who have a great, you know, infrastructure for producing pharmaceuticals. India is a classic example. right? so... It was crazy that actually the Serum Institute in India, you know, had an agreement with AstraZeneca to produce AstraZeneca vaccines, right? They got the formula because they have the technology and the infrastructure. They were also able to get supplies from the U.S. to help make the vaccines. But yet part of that agreement was that they couldn't even vaccinate their own people, which led to that crazy, deadly wave that we Mm -hmm. saw a couple of months Mm -hmm. ago. And it was because they were supplying vaccines to countries such as Canada and various Mm -hmm. European nations. And they were also responsible to uh, provide vaccines to Africa. And now Africa is like in such a fragile state right now, because India is like, well, we got to handle our own people. now they've stepped up and they're like all the vaccines is going to our communities until we can get everybody vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And that means we can't supply our vaccines to Africa no longer. And that's why we're seeing many Africa right now, their rates are spiking and their rates of vaccination, like I said, is like 1.2%. Right. And even there's regions in Africa can like actually potentially you know, be able to create, um, Mm. an infrastructure to be able to, um, make vaccines mm. right whether it's Pfizer or AstraZeneca or Moderna, oh. but there's such a refusal to it. You know, if if they really want to do it, they can do it, but they just refuse mm. to because they're they're afraid of letting go these of these patents because they're not going to be able to make like the billions of dollars and really take advantage of this pandemic. Yeah. It, well I think it, it the, seems uh,
1: like there's it seems like there's a like a, a competitive nature to the delivery of vaccines. And, and I like, you know, I'm sure it's, it's more nuanced than this, but like if, if COVAX was being used and, and distributed the way that it should be, like, is that the answer to this competitive nature or is it, is it broader than that?
3: No, it's much broader than that. I think we need to like really start pushing for that TRIPS waiver. Right. Cause the reality is They are predicting that if we are only relying on COVAX or on donations from wealthier countries, this global pandemic is actually not going to be over until 2025. Think about it. We need 7.9 billion vaccines times to inoculate this whole entire world. And... I don't think what Canadians are understanding, which is very frustrating, because I've received a lot of hate mails for my advocacy for the trips waiver, right? And mm. saying, "What about us? You can't just share doses." But Canada has hoarding vaccines; like they actually ordered enough vaccines to inoculate the Canadian population five times.
0: Whoa, that's <laughs> really excessive. yeah. But, well, but 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 I think the question that I begs to ask about. That is like what responsibility do pharma companies have to? Because like they've created a market well, around these, none. obviously. And I, I, well, I know that they have no technical. Not responsibility, saying that that's right, but like, but like, <laughs> shouldn't is. I mean, shouldn't they? It's. I think of like, again, just go, let's go back to this. Uh, I was going to try to use another analogy, but let's go back to the baseball game for a second. Like if the people are selling the fucking water and they're just giving it to all the people with money and then people start fucking dying, that's not a like, and your control, like the, the hey, sorry, but the blood is on your hands at that point. Like you should be considering the the importance of distributing them evenly and definitely not giving enough doses to one Country in particular to mm. give them five times the amount of what
2: whatever it is that they need. That just seems. Can crazy. I give you a devil's advocate? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm and open. I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that this is right or this is how it, it should be set up, but this is how it is set up. Those companies often are beholden to their they're, shareholders. They're, 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 they're public. They're public companies, and they they take up massive, massive places in weighted uh, in weighted uh, global economic indexes and when they start losing money because of their because of doing something like that um, they lose money and all that has an effect on their stock price which but then guess affects what? the market which then affects but it's the way also, that the whole thing I, and i'm not saying that that's I, I know, good but, i'm just saying it is how it works unfortunately but, which is crazy that we've which is ultimately then crazy that we are, are living in a system when a company needs to do a good thing but it would be potentially but, catastrophic but, to do it.
0: But think about this, though. Devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. These companies <laughs> oh God, didn't even have a market to sell these vaccines before there was a global <laughs> pandemic. They were doing fine. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. So yeah. like, so why should shareholders and people have these expectations? Like, yes, it's great to make profits of whatever we live in. We live in this world. but Because but as like, soon
2: as you ramp up production and you, uh, on something and now, you're like, and now your revenue projections are like up here now, it's like a... Like if you were down here and you fucking double it and then you come down 10%, you come down that 10% and everyone goes, you're a fucking, you're a loser now. Do do we,
1: do we have the stats on like how much of the world uh, currently needs vaccines? Like, are are we, are we, do do we have any numbers surrounding like, like how much, how much, how much of the world actually needs vaccines right now that just aren't fucking getting it?
3: Right now, so Mm. okay. Here's a stat. So on average, right now, one in four people um, have been vaccinated in high-income countries. So we're taking Canada, UK, the US, uh, essentially all the G seven unit countries minus Mm. Japan. Japan. Two doses. Something weird going on with them. We can't figure it out. Um, Two
0: doses or one dose on average.
3: One um, one dose
0: right
3: now. And so in low-income countries, only one in five hundred have received one.
1: Vaccine. Oh, wow. wow. That's a staggering Whoa. difference. one, one, one in four versus one in 500. Yeah. Fuck me.
3: That was like, announced by the world health organization last week.
2: One of the things that I, that I, um, when I was digging into COVAX for this video a while back and sort of, and part of the narrative of that, of, of that commentary was basically like the, the, like, there's been, there is no, there is no equity between nations anyway, like to remove the pandemic, there's a ton of inequity between countries and continents. And, and then you throw this vax, these throw this, this, this pandemic into the mix. And now everybody drops significantly. Everybody is affected from a personal level to a, a governmental level, an economic level, a health level, everything is affected. And then, but then you get countries climbing out of that hole at such a faster rate than other ones. And like, we were already in a, in a shitty place in terms of equity between nations. And now you have countries like Canada and the U S um, for example, that are, that, I mean, we're looking at, we're, we're looking at the fall and going, Hey man, falls, we're going to be back to normal fucking yeah, like, let's wipe our hands clean of this pandemic And like you said, there's, you know, there's countries in, there's countries in Africa at 1%, 1% uh, vaccine rate, and they could be looking at this for another four years. Well, not,
1: not just them though, not just them, Taylor. It's like without them getting the vaccine, it's just increasing the chances of more Mm, like drastic variants becoming, becoming uh, pertinent and, and having a, a, a really intense effect on the rest of the world, you know, I I know, I know that you said that you received some like hate mail for your advocacy, which is fucking crazy to me, but like, uh, considering that this is happening right now, outside of just simply uh, caring for our fellow humans and like, and, 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 you know, seeing health as like a, a fundamental human right. Why should, Cana- why should Canadians care if, if the vaccination rates are low in other countries? Why, why, should, we, why should we care if, if we, and I, I suppose I probably just answered that in what I said to you, Taylor, but like, why should we care if we're the ones that have the vaccine and, and right now it, it seems like everything is roses on this side because we're about to wipe our hands clean of it?
3: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, I think the main reason, as you said, is that we need to think about health as a fundamental human right. And we need to think about why as Canadians, we deserve to be vaccinated first and, you know, have this pandemic over for us in Canada um, versus other people in the world. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why are we special in that aspect, right? Um, Also understanding that vaccines are like essential medicines. We know vaccines are the only way out of this global pandemic, given the fact that we are seeing rates plummeting, right, here in Canada. And, you know, last week I went to Yorkville for a walk and I actually didn't go because it was crazy to see how many people were on the patio drinking, like having the best time of their lives. And I get, as a Canadian, I was like, okay, things are starting to get back to normal, normal. Right. But they're being, I don't know, ignorant. I can't figure it out. Or they're just. It, it, yeah, It like,
1: reminds me, it reminds me of like the early days of COVID, like, like, you know, March, April, May of 2020, this rhetoric that we were hearing a lot of like, Oh, well, um, it's, it's only, it's only going to affect old people and people with immune, like compromised immune systems. So like, we don't really have to worry about it. And it's like, I'm, I am that person. I'm that person, you know, like uh, you should care because I'm a fucking, I, I'm your friend, you know, I'm, I'm in your group. It It's not, we don't have to just, it's not just about just tossing it off to the side because it's only old folks that are going to mm-hmm. suffer from this. It's, it's, it's everyone, everyone is being affected by this. And it's the exact same thing with this vaccine thing. It's, it's, You know, just because Canada looks like we're doing okay right now compared to where we were a year ago... that is so far it's, from it's, the truth in so many places of, of the of the of the planet. Yes,
3: and I think what Canadians are not understanding too, like they're like, "Oh God, the pandemic's going to be over for us in the fall." It's not going to be over. I wish I could swear, but I can't because I'm an academic and McGill <laughs> might not appreciate it. Well, Say <laughs> well, whatever the fuck I'll, you I'll want. Have, I'll add have swears <laughs> in for you. Shit, piss, fuck. I was like, okay, God, swear. <laughs> For, trust me, in my day-to-day conversations about this, I swear, yeah, <laughs> yeah. about this, is that people are like, "Okay, I'm ready to travel." Well, how are you going to travel when?
1: Yeah, where the China fuck are you going to go? Yeah. Under
3: control, right? Yeah, and yeah. Also, the variance, right? So, if we are letting the virus run wild in low-income countries. It's just gonna like mutate, and then what are you gonna really shut the borders for get, forever? We're not gonna be like New Zealand, right? Right? And mm-hmm. the thing is, people are gonna bring back those new variants wherever they were first traced from, and we have no guarantee that the vaccine that we've received is going to protect us from future variants. And the reality is, we may go back to square one.
0: Yeah. you got your podcasts. It, we, yeah. Taylor and I went we for went a back. bike ride last night and we were chatting as we were biking, and you know, it felt nice. It, like it was a nice sunny evening. We were really enjoying ourselves. We we're having this conversation as we were biking along. And uh, we were we were both saying, like, this feels like it's really the end of COVID this time. Like we had this feeling before, after the, the first wave and the second wave, but now, after the third wave, it feels like it's really the the end. And I said to Taylor, um, we're having this conversation, and I said something like, you know, I think this time is it because people are getting vaccinated. And then we start talking about the Delta variant and how, you know, some people who've had the, only the first dose are are vulnerable, vulnerable to that. And then we were saying like, you know, it's really the variants and As long as we can get the majority of the population vaccinated, then there'll be less COVID to be transmitted and less opportunity for the variants to to new variants to come up. But like, that's a very naive way to look at it. If you're just considering Canada and you're not considering these pools of other places around the world that aren't vaccinated. Which
2: in our conversation last night, we were totally just thinking about Canada. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I bring it up
0: because it's like this. And, and like I went for a run on Wednesday night down along the waterfront here and I saw so many fucking people out on patios (laughs) and I understand it. I get it. Like it's been a long time. We've been locked down in isolation and we feel like we should be like, we've worked hard, especially in Nova Scotia where we haven't had a lot of spread of the virus um it feels like we should be able to like go back out and and enjoy the outside not just because people are getting vaccinated but because we've we've made a conscious effort to isolate and socially distance and close places down and so this feels like now we should finally be able to enjoy ourselves but if you just for a second consider what's happening in the rest of the world you realize how important it is to still be diligent and Still be conscious about social distancing and mask wearing and all these other things. Outside of what Brian just said there mm-hmm. when he finished that, you know, this is one of those things that when,
1: when... And we we talk about this sort of thing on the podcast quite a bit where I hear something from, um, from our guest where I'm thinking, man, this just seems so outside Makes of sense. our control. And like, so that like, what the fuck can I do? You know, like what can I do to contribute here to help um and and aside from being vigilant and keeping our you know social distance and 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 practicing good hygiene and wearing a mask what are what are some things that just regular old people like ourselves can do in order to contribute in order to help with this clearly this very like dire situation that is affecting the globe
3: Absolutely. I mean, at this point, I mean, me personally, I'm starting to give up on the TRIPS waiver because I think I see Canada and I feel like it's almost a political campaign for them when we look at our vaccine campaign, right? And showing that sense of vaccine nationalism could be guaranteeing a re-election for the liberal government, right? And then interesting Making sure that the rates of vaccination are the same as the U.S., so the borders can close up, uh, open up, right, mm-hmm. for economic mm-hmm. purposes. So there's an agenda, right, for Canada to be ahead of the game um, for vaccination, and I think that's the danger, right? Um, you know, we're hearing Anita Anand, our procurement minister, every week saying we are getting a million doses right now. Mm. Don't worry, right? And then that again is just centering ourselves, and I think what's needed is any folks like you and everybody else to join forces, like with me and like Madhu Pai, even Nahid Dosani, you know, St. Chagla, like Serena from UBC, like let's get together and start putting pressure on the government, right? I mean, if Canadians don't want to do it for, to save human lives then at least do it for your self interest like that's how desperate we're getting here right, right. like mm-hmm. if you want to travel again like i want to go to india i want to see my family i haven't seen them for so long right but i can't cuz like 1.4 billion people like i think right now only 20% of people have been vaccinated right and i can't even go visit my loved ones and I've come out of the pandemic here in Canada. And that's cool. like so many of us here living in Canada. We have so many friends and family living overseas. We realize that, you know, life is so short during this pandemic. A lot of us have goals to travel globally, to experience different things. How are we going to do that when three quarters of our world have yet to be full, like vaccinated? Yeah. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. right. yeah. Something that, something that came up that, that we've talked about on our Friday show, uh, the last couple of weeks, um, which uh, has really pissed me off is um, the like campaigns that we see some provinces doing and a lot of like U S States of, uh, you know, kind of doing like gimmicky things to get people to be vaccinated. And then, and, and the reason that it pisses me off is just because like we have, we have such access to the, to correct objectively proven information that you should get vaccinated. And, and yet And yet those programs are needed. And on one hand, I understand like it's like it's there's an overload of access to information. We have too much access to information and it's easy to be fooled and and duped by people that for whatever reason want to do that. Um, On the flip side of that, and this is something that Kyla brought up to me today, guys, as we were driving, uh, driving back um, from our game, was that she was saying that um, uh, I don't know where it was in Indonesia, somewhere in Indonesia had a program going for their, for like their local community where they were giving chickens to, to, to locals for getting their vaccine. <laughs> and it struck me that like, that like, oh, that's the, it's like the, it's like, the, it's, it's probably the exact opposite of what's going on in, in, in some of these states where there are places that, um you know, because of their, like their economic situation, there is, there is no access to information or very little access to information. So even knowing what the vaccine is about or, 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 or maybe like, maybe even like basic fundamental, like health principles are, are, are not, are not commonly known. Um, you know, that is, and so I went, oh, okay, well like that in that instance, that makes sense, you know, for, for this kind of, kind of completely opposite reason, but I'm not sure if this is your wheelhouse in, in like a situation like that, like, what is it that, what is it that um how challenging is it and what can be done in places where access to information is really limited and getting getting vaccine information out to people is like really important because when we talk about this vaccine inequity and we're talking about lower income countries you you are talking about countries that have probably significant pockets of their population that don't have very good yeah. access to information. And, and even if the vaccine is accessible for them, they might not get it because they are, well, they just don't know about it they or they don't Mother know what to, what to know about it.
3: Yeah. No, this is a great question. This is totally my wheelhouse. Um, do you mind if I bring it back to Canada? So yeah. do you remember our vaccine rollout, right? It was a mess when it started, right? And we saw that, you know, so many vulnerable communities were, not even being prioritized, like our essential workers, the vaccines weren't going to the hotspot neighborhoods, racialized immigrant communities, people Mm. with chronic conditions, the homeless population, we're kind of like all at the back of the line, right? And it was because of the rallying, a lot of public pressure and being like, we need this equity lens, right? Um, But then it's not just a matter of, okay, we're going to, for example, Kiel region, which we know is a hotspot, right? And even right now, it's become again another hotspot because the Delta variant is roaming around quite frequently around there. But what was actually incredible at some point is that finally public health was like, okay, let's talk to these communities and figure out what they want, right? And then all of a sudden, we started to see all these pop-up clinics. We started to see you know racialized communities coming together, having like the black vaccine clinic. You know, um, vaccines were given out at churches, temples, like gurudwars, and all of a sudden, you just saw vaccine rates skyrocketing. And what was amazing is that like community leaders, faith based leaders, you know, people that. Um, vulnerable communities trust, we're stepping up there, we're stepping up and like countering misinformation regarding the vaccine, showing why this is important. And that made a huge difference. And that's why we are where we are today. And we're seeing the percentage of people getting their second doses is climbing. And it was incredible this week, you know, Hotspots were given most of the vaccines, given that they are most vulnerable, right? And in mm-hmm. terms of being socio and economically disadvantaged. So we can see the complexity of the rollout, right? To making mm-hmm. sure that people who need it the most will get it and will understand why they need it. Yeah. The it, same approach has to take places in other countries of yeah, the world, right? right? And if they're not getting the vaccines, they don't even have a chance to start planning out the rollout, right? What's it's going to look like? And I think what's nice about India is just because I've been doing a lot of work um, virtually with many folks in India and really seeing how they've been able to ta- tackle vaccine uh, vaccination. During this crazy, deadly wave was that particularly in rural areas, um, they actually had like healthcare workers, community workers going in and starting vaccine campaigns that make sense to them. Right. And mm. by people who they trust. And that seems to be making a huge difference. And we anticipate that. That approach is going to be needed, right? Mm. But that also we need financial resources for that, right? So it's so complex, right? And I think one of you said it's not just simply going in and be like, okay, here's your doses, see yeah. you later. Yeah. We did our due diligence. Vaccine, um, you know, we just donated a whole bunch of vaccines. Um, vote for us Canada. Yeah. Um It's more than that, right? It's like being able to work with these healthcare systems and (laughs) ensure that we can get the vaccine to everybody, particularly those who are most vulnerable. It
0: it reminds me of the importance of um, our past guest, Evelyn, and the campaign that she was running. She works at the Toronto Star and they were running a campaign. Um, She started a group called In Their Own Voices and they were going out into the community and publishing all of this information in different languages of all these different pockets of communities. And like, yeah, it's really important to hear the information from people that you trust and not just public health because unfortunately sometimes public health doesn't have the trust yeah. of the people
1: mm-hmm. yeah. even and in developed and, and, and like, countries in like case, Canada
2: why, in the like, united states in a in in your in your language if if english isn't yeah. your first language i mean like you know how many times have you you know whether you, you you read um you read something that's in a language that you can like you can get your head around like french for example but like it just doesn't quite read right because when you when you translate that back into your brain into English, you go, oh, that doesn't like, it doesn't like the two languages don't mesh. They're not they're not exact, and like the way that it's spoken. So like, <laughs> there's different nuances. You're, you're, and everything. you're getting if you're being given, you know, if you're being given, uh, um, if you're being given information in English, and your you know your first language is Chinese or, or Mandarin or, or whatever it might be, Absolutely. like that's not going to translate. That's not going to translate like the that, way that well.
1: It should yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ananya, in such an
2: important moment,
1: yeah, Ananya, I gotta, I gotta say, this is uh, this this most certainly seems like quite an uphill battle, um, and there's still quite a bit of work to be done. Um, let our listeners know how they can follow along with what you are up to, and uh, and and you know maybe get in touch with you if if they if they're looking to you know add to the fight. Um, uh, give our listeners a little little insight as as to uh, where they can find you.
3: Oh, thanks. Um, So, I mean, definitely follow me on Twitter uh, at Ananya underscore TV. Um, But there's also so many other great people to follow, like Dr. Madhu Pai. I would follow, you know, Dr. Nahid Dosani, um, Dr. Zane Chegla. Like, we've been very, very vocal on Twitter about vaccine equity and why it's important, particularly global vaccine equity. I really encourage them to also... um, learn more. I encourage them to actually follow the World Health Organization on social media. Dr. Tedros has, you know, just been advocating so much. And I just feel for him because I feel like he's hitting a wall. Every time, And, you know, he's at the point where he's like, okay, I probably can't get 7.9 billion doses right now given out across the world. And so he's only asking that can at least 10% of each country be guaranteed to be vaccinated right now, which mm. includes the healthcare workers, because they are so vulnerable right now because of these deadly waves that we are seeing happening, like across the world, because they haven't been vaccinated yet, they can't mm. get access to vaccines. Um, These are really powerful platforms where you can learn more. I also encourage you to also follow the One Campaign. Um, I'm not too sure if you know about the One Campaign. So they're a grassroots organization, you know, doing a lot of political and advocacy work, primarily, um, you know, to reduce poverty in the world. But now they have also realized that poverty is even going to get Going to get greater in low-income countries because of the lack of vaccination and not being able to end this pandemic in their countries as soon as we mm-hmm. are here in Canada. Um, and I, I say that lightly because really the pandemic is not going to be over for Canadians. In yeah, the fall. yeah.
0: I, I think I think one other thing I want to add too is like this conversation has been a, a huge. Um, reminder and has, has taught me that like we need to be thinking when we're having conversations with our friends like yeah. the conversation mm-hmm. that Taylor and I were having when we we're biking mm-hmm. like think about the rest of the world like think <laughs> think yeah. outside of your community and if you hear somebody saying it's so great we're getting in an, another million doses in Canada maybe be that person to say yeah, but what about all the countries that aren't getting doses right now? Mm-hmm. And start to have those conversations because it is kind of like the collective. The collective conscious is really important. If as Canadians can we're, we keep saying amazing, we're getting all these vaccines. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Then our government's going to keep going out and trying to get more vaccines mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us too to say, hey, okay, thanks for getting some vaccinations for us. But you know, what about Uganda? What about? all these other countries that still aren't getting vaccinated.
3: Absolutely. And I'm like encouraging people to write to their local MPs, M- MPPs, right? And just putting a lot of pressure on our Canadian government. I think this is the time for us to get together and show global solidarity, right? Yeah. And and put Canada, you know, not <laughs> just leading and having the most people getting their first vaccine, but also leading for global vaccine equity, right? This is the right thing to do, right? And, and reflecting like, why are we so special? to, you know, having access to vaccines right now, pretty quickly, like for myself, um, like I have a chronic condition. So I, I was early in the game to get a vaccine. And then my second appointment was in August. Guess what? It moved up today, right? And That's just showing how much Canada is actually doing an incredible job, how much vaccines that they have actually secured um, for Canadians. And, you know, that's great. We have to applaud the Canadian government. They are obviously have to put Canadians first, but alongside they have to put global citizens at first, particularly low-income countries, who right now, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for them. They are just you know, sitting in darkness, waiting to see when the vaccines are coming and just dreading that they're gonna have subsequent deadly waves to come. That's gonna cost millions of lives for no reason.
1: Ananya, I gotta say, this has been, uh, this has been a real wonderful dose of real talk. And uh, we are so glad that you took time out of your day today to, uh, to sit down and open our eyes to something that is obviously very important. Um, thank you so much. It really means a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: No, thanks to the three of you. I mean, this is advocacy work that you've been doing through the Sick Boys podcast. And, you know, without all of you amplifying our voices, there's very little change that can be done when it comes to vaccine equity, as it seems right now.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your
1: friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend, Rich O'Coin, and Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonas. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.